Welcome to the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov, and I'm kind of snickering here because I've done this intro too many times. So let's just get into it. We're talking to Christopher Carter today, thisepiclife.com, and we're going to be covering first launches because it's his first launch this week, self-care practices, alignment, and why that's so important as you're growing your business, as well as just you know, musing on the long and winding journey and road and path we're all on here as entrepreneurs. Kick back, put those headphones on, and I will see you on the other side. So Casey, um, so the reason I wanted you on today is because Mm -hmm. generally I talk to people after They've launched like a few things. And sure. though you've been through launches and things like that, I I just felt like this was such a perfect time. You know, you're about to unleash, unleash yeah. something to the world. And, um, you know, and I've, I've obviously wanted, I think we've talked about having you come on the show for a long time. And now it's just like, we better get this moment in. Yeah. So thanks for stopping by today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. As you know, I love your course and everything you do and working with you on other launches for Jonathan and other people. And uh, yeah, it's, it it is an interesting time for me to be talking about launches as I'm in the throes. Mm -hmm. Well, we will get to that for sure. I will let you uh, leak a little bit of it here. Um, Okay. I got to stop using that word, but like every time I say leak, (laughs) you know, I know what it makes. I know. I just can't stop myself. Um, So the thing about Casey and I is that that uh, we've worked together on a number of launches. Actually, we've and we work. I feel like we've we've been circling around, around each other for a while now. And I thought it would be funny because right. every time you tell the story of how we met, I am yeah. like, oh my god, what a nightmare I must have been. But <clears throat> but like, I just want you to share that. Just like a little like who was who like introduced us how did we meet what happened yeah. why was Anne such a social degenerate <laughs> no no well we met at uh the 2012 world domination summit we were at this juice bar across town from the main venue and i met hillary hillary rubin who's like an extremely extroverted person just like me so her and i were just like two furbies together like talk about everything and she said uh she was asking me what I was working on and what I was up to. And she said, you know, I have this amazing launch person you should talk to. She's kind of shy. She doesn't really want to come in the juice bar. She's like sitting outside at this table. You should talk to her. I'm like, wow. So like maybe this woman, this mysterious launch woman has <laughs> these minions that go around and kind of bring her into her court kind of a thing. But I just realized that you were kind of uh, a little bit more introverted, maybe perhaps. And we talked very briefly on that day, but then a couple of years later, and I've been doing um, much more work for Jonathan Fields as part of Good Life Project, and he brought you onto the team to manage the launches. So it kind of came full circle. We started working together almost every day. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And I, you know, honestly, I remember also Hillary saying, "Yeah, you got to meet uh, Christopher Carter. He's he's a friend of mine. He works with uh, Jonathan Fields on Good Life Project. I think you guys would really hit it off." And and I think I just uh, I don't know what my problem was. <laughs> Oh, you were, you were afraid. I just have I a hard time. I have a, like, I was, I have a hard time meeting new people and what, but, but I do one-on-one stuff and already Hillary yeah. is very extroverted. I actually would think she's actually hyperverted 
in the <laughs> right. in a good way. Like she just knows how to work the room. She like goes ha- yeah. goes around. But anyways, enough about Hillary for now. But um, so like Casey mentioned, we work on a a number of things with Jonathan Fields, um, faculty on the his immersion program. I know you went through his Good Life Project immersion when yeah, the first one good. maybe. Um, so, so obviously we, we know a lot about each other. Uh, Casey definitely keeps things light, but really focused on the, on the team as well. And I, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to like go back to that immersion and find out where you were then and what really, cause I feel like, um, from what I understand that kind of set certain things off. That set yeah, you off sure. on a path. It, and- it, it, it opened up all sorts of cans of whoop ass in my life, uh, <laughs> you know, because you, you're in this place of uh, what I call radical introspection, where you break apart everything that you thought you stood for and what you're trying to get out of your life and all that deep kind of values, virtues, work that you do in these kinds of things. And at the same time, I was practicing a lot of uh, Kriya yoga. I'm a yogi, not a hatha, stretchy yoga person, but more of like a uh, science of meditation type yogi. So between all the meditation and the Good Life Project's immersion, it really forced me to reevaluate a lot of things. And over the course of that program, it was a 10-month program at the time, um, we were learning a lot about launches and kind of dissecting what Jonathan did to launch the Good Life Project. And he was really generous. Like he let us behind the curtain and we got to see how all of us came into his funnel and signed up for this very sizable investment. You know, he, he was very cool and transparent about it. So over the course of that program, I realized that it was my duty to actually launch something into the world just so I could kind of put those lessons I was learning into place. And that's when I launched my manifesto. Right. And then how, how, how was that? Was that really just, uh, when you're doing like a manifesto, really it's just creating a manifesto and then just yeah. getting it out there. But what, what kinds of things did you do at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started, I was really inspired by manifestos like Chris Gillibo's, uh, some of the other big giant ones, Hugh McLeod, the creative manifesto, some of these massive PDF documents that have been floating around for a while. And I wanted it to kind of look and I wanted it to just have a different, bigger kind of feel. So I produced, I spent about seven months of the program uh, creating a multimedia manifesto. It was audio. It was uh, like heavy graphic layout, a lot of powerful written words. I edited down. I wrote maybe 20,000 words and edited it down to about 9,000. So it was kind of a beast, you know, and, but I wanted it to be like, I wanted it to land with like a thud, like I am here. I have arrived. This is my damn truth kind of a thing. Yeah. So in talking to Jonathan about it, it was really to, you know, kind of build my initial list and interest in my work and get my, what I call my framework out there. And since then, everything like the impact I've had in, in, you know, both the corporate world and this online space we work in and stuff has all been really based around that, you know? So I look at it, I looked at it as like a, um, just kind of what I needed to do to like put my flag in the ground and say, this is what I'm all about. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a certified coach. I am certifiable, but I'm not a certified (laughs) coach. Uh, I'm not a life coach. However, as a yogi and as a person straddling, you know, the online and corporate worlds, I have a lot of, um, you know, proven personal philosophies about how this stuff works. I just wanted to get it out there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm wondering then, like you mentioned in the corporate world, what kinds of stuff did you do? How did you bring that into, let's say, that piece of your world? Yeah, well, it was actually really funny because the 
I launched it almost two years ago next week. It was like uh, November 20th of 2012. And when I hit the, you know, when you have your button, uh, your finger over the button and you're just about ready to like publish, you know, and it's about to go live and all these guest posts were hitting. So I knew there'd be some eyes on it. At the back of your head, you're wondering like, wow, how's the company I work for going to respond to this? They're going to think I am a freak or there's made... You know, I want to make sure I didn't share any like overly sensitive information, anything like that. And the very next week, I was in um, Chicago, which is where our headquarters is, and our head of sales, who I was very afraid of at the time. He was like this Yosemite Sam character. <laughs> and uh, he was interviewing me because he wanted to put me in charge of sales training and development for about 80 plus salespeople. And at this time, I was just a regional sales director. And the first thing out of his mouth when I walk in the room, like he didn't know that I was so terrified about this interview. I didn't know if I was going to get fired or offered my dream job, but I had already like wiped my hard drive clean in my computer. Like I had done all this stuff, not, not thinking that I don't deserve to be able to speak my truth and have my dream job. You know, like that's how crazy I am, right? The first words out of his freaking mouth were, so I read your manifesto in its entirety. That's what he said. And I was like, and it was like silence. And I thought, oh wow, there's this, this big hardcore sales guy from Dallas, Texas. And he read this whole thing. And he said, um, you know, I want to make sure that you don't want to be a life coach for these sellers. They need a um, hardcore trainer, educator. And I said, absolutely. You know, I have no interest in being a life coach for them. Um, and in a matter of, you know, weeks, I ended up with this total dream job, the dream company I've always loved working for. Now I get to do what I love to do and integrate, constantly integrate my philosophies around the framework into the company. And I take a lot of what I learned at the company back into things like Good Life Project and my own business. So it's, it's kind of like this beautiful symmetry. You know, it's, it's a tough balancing act, but I try to borrow from all of it to make each of them a little bit better. Yeah, I love that. And I, I actually love because I know what you know, what you've done with Revolution U, the Good Life Project, and especially like it feels like things really have um, ramped up probably since uh, Jonathan's aligned entrepreneur. I feel yeah. like um, I just remember him telling, you know, that's when I was first getting to know him is during that time. I wasn't working with him, but we were just, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were talking every week or so on Google Hangout, just just very casually. And he said, yeah, there's this guy, KC, and he put together this amazing presentation of all, you know, so he was, he was really, he was just so loving what you were doing. So it uh. didn't surprise me that when we saw, we saw how, um, the, the revolution, you, um, the whole, I mean, there's so much material that's been created for Revolution right. U, so I don't even know where to start with that. Um, but mm -hmm. regardless, so so your involvement in that training and those trainings, it seems like it flows so nicely with what you do um, yeah. with, with the company, um, too, like, you know? Yeah, yeah I was... Um my, my training now is around education and development. Like we, we, we don't call ourselves trainers, you know, animals are trained. People want to be educated. Definitely. And so oh, I, like I study that. a lot. Yeah, I study a lot of hardcore, like adult learning theory and all these things. So I was able to bring that when Jonathan asked me to come back as a staff member, I was, first of all, I was blown away because the staff members, uh, the year that I was in the immersion were, you know, total heroes of mine, Charlie Gilkey, Susan Piver, 
a lot of these heavyweight people, Amelia Z, uh, Jonathan, all these types of people. So I, I left him alone for months after I finished because I'm like, okay, I got to put all this stuff into practice. And I just kind of like didn't bother him. But he called me to come back and, and lead that, uh, help lead one of those uh, weekend labs. And that, that I looked at that as like my real opportunity to step up. So I created an exhaustive, beautifully designed workbook for the event. He didn't know I was doing this. I just went through all of his writings on the topic and I created this insanely sweet graphic workbook. And then people came through the program like Jada Selner from Simple mm-hmm. Smoothies, um, my friend Rachel Gogos, Laura Neff, like these these like powerful solopreneurs, visionary people in their own right. And they got to see me in this light of like, wow, this guy's a curriculum designer, but he's also somewhat, I consider myself a little bit of a walking case study of Jonathan's. I really try to integrate and and you know, practice what, what I learned from him. So it has worked out really cool. So whereas he wants to spend more time on like the vision aspect of good life project and the podcast and like the, you know, the, the more customer facing stuff, I'm able to focus on uh, serving those that serve others. Like Simon said, Simon Sinek says, like uh, create the experience design, the learning design, the courses. I've worked with you on a couple courses. Mm-hmm. Program and, and it's yeah. been a total gift. I, I just, I would be there for free anyway. Cause I just like being like having access to kick ass information, but to have a hand in creating it and putting it into practice for myself is, has been awesome. That's so funny. I feel the same way. Um, and even, even when like, like, you know, cause I, you know how, how it is when you're on a, a very small team, everybody just yeah. kind of gets popped, whatever needs to get done and stuff. But I always think about that, that one thing. And it's like, it doesn't really, that stuff doesn't matter. It's like those people that I'm around and, um, and definitely it makes it very worthwhile. You and Jamie, you know, and Stephanie. And yeah. And the people, the people on the other side too, like the front space team. I oh mean, my what gosh, I've noticed, yes. What, what I've noticed from working in a company, the, the company I work for, Centro, I've always been a regional salesperson. So I've always worked by myself and you know, now I work above my garage. But to stay involved with those people and to balance my frenetic uh, extroverted energy off of people. I had to stay, um, you know, I always had to be that person to kind of rally little groups together. So whenever I join a team, I feel like my part of the team is to not assume leadership, but to apply what I call catalytic leadership, which is like, how can we make this fun? How can we make this not damn painful? How many launches typically are, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just keep laughing, keep it light. And, and I think through that process, I mean, I thought the revolution you launched the first one we did, and the second one was great too, but that first First one was so powerful and so memorable to me because we created that insane PowerPoint, um, like beautiful webinar we did for Scott Densmore's group and for some others. But it was graphically and visually, it was unlike anything I had created before. And one of my total heroes, Nancy Duarte, from uh, she wrote the book Resonate. Yeah. She has Duarte Design Group. She attended one of those webinars and she told me that she thought the content was insane. And I was like such a fanboy. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not that I'm trying to be any type of like super designer or whatever. But it just shows you the power of when you're truly inspired by the idea of something else. Like I had no time to create that, but Jonathan's ideas were so badass and so powerful and so inspiring. I was like, how could I not try to put everything into this? And it turned into just something totally cool. And now we're at a point in the year where we're seeing all these people all over the world launch these little revolutions. And it's like, this is the best work we can do. You're like, yeah, of course. Of course I did that. Because then this is now the, <laughs> I'm like, you're just looking around at everybody in in the group now. It's it's amazing. And that the stuff still holds, um, held very strongly into that next mm-hmm. launch. I mean, a lot of yeah. uh, those same materials were used during the next launch. So yeah. Um, so I think that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, um, 
so all of this, like you're talking about, you know, keeping it light and still keeping things going, rallying people. What other, what other type of preparation do you, do you think is really necessary for launch? Because now that you're going yeah. through one yourself, you know, I, I know you're, you definitely talk about yeah, I know you talk about like the full life practice and the full life, you know, integration of everything. How does that work when it's your own? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, um, I, I wanted, I looked at this current launch I'm doing for myself as really like the next step in my own learning process and that I have to be able to stand on my own two feet, put my offers, gather feedback from my avatar, put my own offers together and just really have some skin in the game. Um, as you know, that can be a painful process, you know, like some days you feel like, you know, everything and other days you feel like, you know, Jack S and it's, it's kind of like sales. I was a sales director for years and there's kind of like that emotional roller coaster you ride in sales of, of, uh, sometimes you could confuse your self-worth with your net worth and these things and you take a lot of rejection. So the only way I ever found to even out those peaks and valleys in the sales process, and it's really similar to launching for me, is to just practice really rigorous self-care. And it's one thing to preach it and say, oh yeah, take great care of yourself. But it my, you know, the vow I took as a yogi, I practiced 60 minutes every morning. That alone sets me up to make better choices, to not destroy myself or like let a launch consume me. Um, I try to, you know, get my running in, my raw juicing, spend time with my kids. You know, like yesterday when you told me we were going to do this yesterday and you you forgot it was Veterans Day, so you had you did some stuff with your daughter. I was inspired by that. I decided to put my little um, chubby little teddy bear boy, uh, my three-year-old Leon, in the back of the bike cart, drive him like four miles uphill to this juice bar, get a juice and go to the park because I, I have no shortage of things to shackle myself to my computer about right now for the launch. However, I know it's counterintuitive, but those moments with my son, those moments like drinking juice and cruising my bike, all those things and meditating, they create the space I need to really receive the insights that I'm looking for because sometimes we want to stack up those to-do lists to say, okay, here's 50 actions I must take today. Whereas it may be if you did some yoga and, and meditated and spent some time with your kids, you'd be like, boom, I identified the right action that will knock out half of these. Mm -hmm. And I could, you know, so that's, I, I realized in, in doing my own launch that there's only realistically so much I can do. So I have to have a lot of trust and a lot of faith that I choose the right things, at least for this first one. And then maybe the next time, you know, I'll, I'll build it out a little bit more, but um, I'm, I'm through the phase now of beating the hell out of myself for everything I do or don't do. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You yeah. know what? I don't think I've talked about it too much, but um, but when I was uh, producing animation and visual effects, that's very there's mm. there's a there's a term which I don't want to say because it will mean I have to mark this podcast explicit, but it's called pixel effing. Effing, mm -hmm. where you like, you like, you know, the director will look at the screen and try to like make every like, oh, can we change that pixel there? And it's yeah, at some right. point wow. you do have to call it a CBB. It could be better. It's always going. Yeah. There's always a chance and always an opportunity to make things better. Always. I mean, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, and I. You, you've probably experienced that, you know, just. Well, and, and that's my nature. And I mean, sometimes when Jonathan and I, like I was producing his podcast for a few weeks in between, you know, some team members transitioning and him and I are both so incredibly type A about aesthetics, like fonts and, uh, tones and timbres of the voice and, and all these like minutia things that maybe the end user 
it'll go right over their head, but we know that it's perfect, you know, <laughs> and, and it's maddening, you know, because you want to find that happy medium. Like I think of, um, you know, so many songwriters, I was a musician as a kid. So like Paul Simon spends like years in the recording process, trying to recreate the original magic of the demo of just him and his guitar, one take into a boombox, you know. And there, but so there's something to be said about that original, what my friend Cynthia Morris calls the original impulse, the the totally true idea and the representation. Versus once we start producing the crap out of it, where we squeeze the life out of it. But I, I, I battle that a lot because I'm a type double A Virgo. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm absolutely a perfectionist. I'm a performer, all those things. But at some point. I realized that um, I have to, you know, truly let, it, let go. it go. If it is, let it go. <laughs> let it go. I knew you wanted to sing it. Don't don't like act like you did. I've didn't. been trying to work that into like conversations for the last. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, come on, can we bring that back into our house? That frozen freak out. You look at your you look at your schedule like, oh, KC's on. There's my my moment to shine. We're gonna sing <laughs> "Let It Go" on that interview. Let's make this did. happen. Um, yeah. No. You know what? I. I struggle with it too, but I'm, I'm usually on the end of pushing people to let it go because I see when people hold on to it and it's, it is really easy to do. And, and I, and you know, I've, I've watched you and Jonathan do it. I've watched Jonathan do it with, with emails and things like that, you know, that I, I, I purposely send him back emails that he's gone over 5 million times just before I hit publish, because I know he's going to want to look at it just one last time. Yeah. You know, right, and right. but at some point, even he knows when to let it go. So, yeah, and it can um, be it can be debilitating, you know, like you want to keep moving forward. And I mean, it, but his genius is, too, is that that dude can crank some copy, you know, like he, he has no problem writing tens of thousands of words that are hyper focused and don't mm-hmm. really need to be edited. I mean, like he's very yeah. on point. However, you know, as, as we know, as like creators that what you take away and like what you pare down and chisel out and like make more user friendly, that's what ultimately usually results in the action being taken by people is like, they, they, they appreciate how short and concise you can get something, you know? So like, I'm really trying to be mindful of that. Like what's the, what's the minimum viable product I could throw out? Like I did one yesterday and emailed to my list. I knew I had to start training them to click on things. So I just try to make it like a one sentence teaser and a button versus putting the whole damn epic thing inside the email. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what it is? Um, but I will say that there, like you said, it definitely is not, not a struggle, but it's something that you have to balance because, uh, one thing that Jonathan has, and you have both shown me is that doing that, pushing it a little bit further, like letting yourself go into that could be better zone brings things to another level and people, you know, and that, that sets you apart. That sets you apart. It does. I read this. uh, I love autobiographies of amazing people. And one of the autobiographies I read a couple months, I'm sorry, a couple years ago now was uh, Walt Disney's autobiography. And it's called How to Be Like Walt. And it's kind of cheesy in in a way, but he used to walk up and down when they were producing. And you probably appreciate this as a former animator, but as they were producing the first animated feature, which was Snow White, which was unlike anything that had ever been produced in history on a cartoon level. Like it was just leaps and leaps and leaps beyond whatever had been done. Walt Disney, Disney would walk through the, the lines of animators working on this stuff, crank, 
working on it before they were pixel effing. Maybe they were like page effing. I don't know. <laughs> but he he would say he would say plus it up. Let's plus it up. Like that that was his mantra. Like plus it up, boys. Plus it up, ladies. Like meaning that no matter how good it is, it could always be better. And Jonathan and visionary people have to be like that because we can't launch the exact same cookie cutter thing we did last time. It has to be, some of the aesthetics have to be tighter. I mean, Marie Forleo is an amazing example of this. Her stuff goes bigger and badder every single time because she realizes that she sets the bar so people expect more and she delivers it. And I think that, um, you know, people like Jonathan, people like Marie, they, they really up the whole game for the industry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I definitely not, I don't know if the word is resonate, but I definitely agree with that because even, um, and, and actually this is something that I don't know if I've written about this before, but when I first did fearless launching, it was a blank, just a pay a WordPress page with text saying, you know, there, there actually was hardly any marketing copy at all. It was just like, here are the modules, here's a buy button. And then from there, every time I wanted to, you know, push and grow it. And, and I know lots of people think, you know, if it's broke, don't fix it. But I needed to, every time that I launched, launched it, look at the, look at the actual course and see what needed to be, you know, and always looking for opportunities to grow and to build and to iterate. Yeah. And and I mean, it's, it's really impressive how far it's come. I mean, it's like total pro grade because you had to be willing to put the first iteration out there. And I mean, that took a lot of bravery. It probably takes more bravery to do that than it does to keep polishing and polishing and pushing it out. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- that kind of, you told me that story and it gave me permission to approach this first launch a little bit more lo-fi than I thought I had to, which was, it created a lot of space for me, you know, because I was so terrified terrified about the execution aspect of it that I just wanted to, um, you know, simplify things wherever I could. And I mean, that's that's a godsend at this point. Yeah, but, so okay, I mean, lo-fi brings, launch, it, tell us what you're launching. I'm sorry, I'm going to just yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun to tell yeah, us. Yeah, totally. Tell us. Well, I'm launching this thing called Fearless Launching. Um, (laughs) No, it's, uh, but uh, what I was going to say, the last thing I was going to say on on the topic you just brought up is that I I always think of this Bob Marley quote that comes up and it's that you have to start somewhere or you get nowhere Mm. and you have to put something out. And when I started thinking about my own launch, about what I would launch, I was taking your course, you know, uh, about four or five weeks ago, that's it. And um, thinking about what my offer would be to people and who I wanted to serve. And I realized that I do want to serve those that are serving others. I want to serve visionary people. And I came up with my own new personal mission statement, which is I give myself and everyone around me permission to glow in the dark. And I build tools for visionary leaders to do that for others. And um, that's what people thank me for. So I wanted to take everything I've learned in the first two years since launching my manifesto break it out into its own framework for helping people create their own, what I'm calling their signature impact. So um, how do you harness all the unique aspects of yourself and your journey and your unique voice and the proof you gather and kind of distill that into its own proven framework that you could use to write, speak, or teach your truth and get paid pretty well to do it. Like that's been my journey over two years. I just want to package all that up and, and, you know, give it to people. Awesome. How are you feeling about that then? How are, how are you I, feeling, you know, like now that you're, yeah. you're in this process? I mean, you've talked a little bit yeah. about how you've been feeling and what's been going on, mm-hmm. but... 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you, in any hardcore creative process requires something of what Jonathan and I refer to as the thrash. And I've had my share of thrash over it, but I look at that as just figuring out the clarity. But once I had the clarity of what I just described to you, mm-hmm. it was, oh, hell yes, of course that's it. Where has it been hiding? Like, you know, yeah. it was, it, it felt really good. So on any given day, I have these moments of totally late where I'm just cranking guest posts and cranking, you know, things out to my network and stuff. And they're really resonating with it. And that feels amazing. But then I got to go back into the lab, sequester myself and just do the hard work of chiseling it into a viable offer, viable program that that people want to pay for. Uh, So my question, because I've, you know, I I watch, I watch you on your social, on your social media, on the Facebook, all those things. Mm -hmm. So have you had any Captain Cranky Pants mornings? Uh, with, with me, like me being C- Captain Crank fan? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, not to say that I'm happy about that, but like I'm like all smiling yeah. over here. But because I, oh, no. I know how, how it is. It's like um, – but I, th- yeah. I think that the tools that you have, the daily practices that you, you've talked about, I think mm-hmm. those probably kind of dull that a little bit. So it's not quite well, as intense. <laughs> Are you referring to the quote, the, the the quote from my wife, that one where she said, "For somebody who meditates as much as you do, you sure are being yes. a turd." Yes, I saw yeah. that. I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, part of part of my you know example I try to live and give to people is that you know I'm I'm here to be truly authentic, you know, uh, authentically happy and authentically pissed off when I so desire, and I try not to pull people down with me, but you know I'm we're all human, you know, we all have to ride the gamut of emotions. And uh, like I said, I feel like that's part of the process. It's part of my personality. And, you know, I'm, I'm very much more often happy go lucky. Everything is great. It's all unicorns and rainbows. But <laughs> when I turn sideways, watch out, you know, cause it's, uh, I think it's indicative of how much we care, you know, it's, it's yeah. how much we care about this thing and that we would kill to put it out in the world in a way that people receive it. We want it to be great. And I mean, that was always my experience making records with bands. That was always my experience playing rock shows. It was certainly my experience at the Camp Good Life Project where I had the best job of my life for a weekend, you know, being a camp spirit officer. However, because it's so intense, you know, it's like we hold ourselves to a high standard. So yeah, of course, we're going to be cranky once in a while. It's all good. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have to say that now when I have insomnia or I wake up ran early because my cat is scratching on my door. I'm like, well, it's four o'clock. I could go back to sleep or I could meditate, you know? And I, I like try to find, I just, even though I'm laying down, those aren't the best meditational mornings, you know, as far as like keeping my spine straight and everything, but I am able to do it, you know? So, but that's so great. But, um, what's interesting is just this week, I've, I think I finally come out of my launch madness um, and yeah, you were cranking hard. I mean, like uh, the volume of emails, like valuable emails and everything else you put together. I mean, it's a staggering amount of work and, uh, you know, just getting out of that mode, um, and just be basically saying, well, meal is home. Everything gets pushed. I, you know, I've got to be with her. I'm yeah. not going to like sit her in front of Minecraft the whole day, though. She would like that. I'm not going to do that to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking about this today when I was, or yesterday when I was on that adventure with my son in the morning is that, you know, he's not going to remember the launch. He's not going to remember what his dad does. I mean, my kids have no idea what I do for a living, but <laughs> they know I get paid to talk a lot, which is, I guess, <laughs> daddy puts job. his headphones on. <laughs> yeah. And just talks and talk, yammers at 
you know, go to meeting or whatever, but <laughs> they, they won't care about that stuff. They'll remember that you took the time out to go do the thing outside and to connect with them and to have a picnic in the park and those things. So it's really important as much as I'm working like hell right now to kind of transcend my, what my current job and role and money and all those things look like, you know, like I, I if I ever get cranky, it has to do with that tension between like the intense desire it takes to create forcible change in your life and feeling like you're losing some of the gratitude for how freaking amazing your life truly is already. You know, like my life will continue to be pretty spectacular launch success or launch failure. However, I know the promise of successful launch means maybe I could live out on the coast with my family for a month or two months out of the year. Maybe I could. So I, you know, I'm really, I'm trying to integrate those things into ways um, that motivate me and pull me forward without making me just like an automaton machine of like, I am a conqueror and I will master. Like, that's just <laughs> never been my vibe and it's never, you know, going to work for me. I'm sorry. I did not mean to outburst laugh like that, but like, I can see you. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's how a lot of the people in our, in this space need to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, bada bing, I got this thing and blah, 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 blah. like, it, it's just so like, it's so not my personality. It works great for some people. And I, I give them nothing but credit and respect for that. Yeah. However, you got to figure out a way that works for you. And for me, that is, um, having my family part of the process to some degree. So I'm not just constantly pulled away from them Mm -hmm. up above the garage on my computer at night, you know, when I could be, you know, trying to connect with them. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough balance. I mean, it's, it's intense work. I mean, it's a lot of work. It is. It really is. Um, so now I want to ask you some kind of, um, random questions. I love them. Bring them. So, um, because all of a sudden, for some reason, I'm always like, you know, Casey is so evolved, but what are his favorite indulgences? Like things that are just like, so like, uh, down, not, not like, not like wrong, but like indulgences. I know. I, well, I got, I, the, the one that really eats away at me, I post about this on Facebook all the time over the summertime. I have what I call a filthy soft serve habit, Dairy Queen soft serve <laughs> ice cream. As much as I juice and as much as I, you know, sing the praises of like healthy vitality, like healthy living, clean machine, all that stuff, I cruise up to this really janky ass Dairy Queen in a really sketchy part of town and I get this fat, like fat soft serve cone. And the worst part about it is like I feel guilty enough eating this filthy soft serve, but when I pull out my car bottoms out and it like probably <laughs> creates a spark on the concrete, so like I already feel kind of sad about it, but then I'm just like, oh, I am a piece, I am a POS. <laughs> I really am. No. Is that good? Does that make you feel better, Anne? No, because I do the same. My daughter is a Dairy Queen freak, and I was kind of like yeah. partaking in that with her for a while. And now it's really sad because I feel that same kind of shame when I go through the drive-thru and I'm like looking around because it's kind of close <laughs> to her school. I'm wondering what parents are seeing me. Right. You bring your kid there, <laughs> you know? Right. But I always try to like look over and Chris Carr will be sitting next to me like, no, no, no. <laughs> No, no dairy. No, no dairy. I would say, or I would say soft serve, <laughs> other guilty pleasures. I recently upgraded George, the entire musical canon of George Michael from guilty pleasure to pleasure pleasure. I'm just going to admit that I love it now. But I have all sorts of uh, odd, um, you know, guilty pleasures. But most of them are around food and sugar. 
I I could crush some nerds. I could crush some jelly bellies. I mean, like, <laughs> I, as you know, I only have two speeds, like zero and eleven. So like, if, and if you do have kids. Bellies, you do have kids, so they're around. Kids like candy sometimes. Yeah. I, I you know I think your wife probably keeps them away from it. A little bit. Yeah, like like right now she's on this like paleo thing to like totally clean up her diet and she's doing great at it. But she was totally pissed off during Halloween because these kids bring back tons of candy. And I try to like make them pare it down and, you know, not eat so much. But then I hide in the closet like a little child and <laughs> eat like five Twix bars all at once. <laughs> I was digging of- through my daughter's bag for all of the mounds <laughs> that I could find. But she, yeah. not many people give those out. So it's like something, but you know what? She hasn't even, she hasn't even asked for a piece of candy since Halloween. It's just been what up a on good, the shelf what a good little and soldier. I just put it away. I put it far away. You're like, you're like good. Cause it's gone. It was gone two weeks ago. I ate it already actually. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mommy ate it. Mommy ate your chocolate. Um, <laughs> um, that's so sad. Um, so now you already okay. So the one other thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, your Funky Friday mm-hmm. things you do. Yeah, um, Funky Friday. Tell yeah, me how that them. how did that start? How did how did I mean? Obviously, you yeah. just do it for yourself, but then you decided to like put it out. Put it up. Yeah. So I've been a musician since I was a kid, and I have become because of my jobs, like doing curriculum and learning design and all these other things, I've become increasingly uh, into uh, video work, lighting, videography, uh, editing, those sorts of things. So as an experiment to keep upping my game each week, like all through the spring and summer, I did these things called Funky Fridays and they're all available on my site. It's thisepiclife.com slash Funky Fridays. You can just kind of see how they evolve, but they started out with like a one camera shoot, then a two camera shoot, then a three, then a four. But what it ended up being like, rather than me just entertaining either myself or people for four minutes, it was really uh, this act of consciousness. I would meditate beforehand and I would loop all live, like all parts of the song to recreate the full arrangement of the song in one take with four cameras. So it took an extraordinary amount of like focus and being in the moment. And also it was also a big lesson of that letting go stuff we were talking about. So each week, you know, there was, there's blips or quirks in each one of the performances. However, I'd have to look past that and say, you know, the vibe and the energy is here. And what I started realizing was that it opened up uh, my work to a new audience because they weren't looking at as in uh, entertainment. They were looking at his inspiration. Mm. Like here's this dad who has these talents and skills. He's not afraid to use them. And each week, like truthfully, I was terrified, you know, like, you know, is this, is this a four minute video selfie? Like, you know, it brings up all these weird ass emotions. But as I would get them out there and get the response to them, I realized that people were sharing them around because they were just inspired by the energy I was able to harness in it. And, and that just became kind of this, this thing that I would work on. But I, I really, like now as I'm putting together assets for my launch, like I don't have time or the, the budget to go hire a separate videographer to crank stuff. So now I could quickly edit speaking reels and sizzle reels and all these things. But I learned that all from the Funky Friday videos. I love that. And you know what I'm going to do actually below the podcast? I want to share the Funky Friday link, the link to that, Mm -hmm. um, the image of your office and how you optimized it to like really make it a a great workspace and just a great space for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, all of that, it all kind of ties into you bringing everything of yourself to what you're doing. Yeah, like that's, um, I have my big guest post that I'm uh, putting out there next week that I'm really excited about is uh, on Becoming Minimalist, uh, Joshua Becker's site. 
and he's built such an amazing community around minimalism, but he definitely inspired my new workspace. I worked from home for seven years in a lot of dysfunctional situations with crap piled up everywhere, like kids walking through with full diapers, like the, the, <laughs> the, the heating and cooling wouldn't work. So like I'd have a heater on my leg, but my mouse hand would be freezing, just like really crazy stuff that I'm like, why, you know, I'm going to do it different. So when I, I planned this space for two years, when I finally moved out here this summer, I helped build this entire space with a couple carpenter friends, but I hung my guitars on one wall. I have my meditation um, altar behind me. I have an insane video and audio production rig desk. I have a turntable that I could put on records on my desk. Like all these things I dreamed about having my workplace be a true sanctuary, sanctuary from family, sanctuary from, you know, it, it's a place where I'm going to unquestionably have to spend a ton of time. So why not make it as chill and vibey and, and it, as an accessible um, way to like hit all, hit up all my gear. So yeah, it's been, it's been cool, but it, it was a game changer for me, the new office for sure. Yeah. I'm just getting started on that. I have like, you know, there's obviously stuff that you can see right there, but it's not like anything. Mm-hmm. There's actually nothing major in here. I, pretty much clear out as much of the paper as I can. But now I have my computer kind of up on the stand. I actually, just because I was getting tired of the neck and shoulder yeah. and back pain. And Ergonomics. Stuff. Now, yeah. now it's like, it's like elevated. Everything is elevated. And I'm just, I'm just starting there with my desk and then I will spread things out. So it's, a yeah, like the, the simple, the simple ergonomics of it, you know, like, we, we get trained to sit at desks in school and then we, we think that that's how our careers are supposed to be for 30 years. Well, that's not sustainable in any way. Like s- sitting equals death, <laughs> you know, like it's so bad for your body and um, it's a necessary part of the work we do. So how can we stand up more often? How can we like right now I have this laptop on a uh, rolling um what I call my webinar station. So when I do webinars, I actually stand up because it get, it brings a different energy to it. It takes me out of the, you know, I'm talking at a computer and it, it puts me in front of an audience, quote unquote. And just those little things can really optimize how you're, how you manage your energy. You know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking now for kind of like that rolling cart type of thing. I mm-hmm. feel like we've had one before from Ikea or something, but yeah. Oh my God. That's you probably you have. have this one because this is from Ikea. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. it. Ikea's and actually come a long way. Like they have some pretty sweet stuff now. It's really Zen. It's really well-made. There's like select pieces from Ikea. They're actually really strong. Yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely think about that too, especially when you're launching, especially when you're working on launches and like, you know, you don't want to be hunched over your computer and like in a hovel, like in this like room that. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, yeah. Like petting your little evil kitty, like just getting, getting really <laughs> weird. Whenever I grow a beard and start wearing toe rings and stuff, my wife is like, you better stop working so much. You're getting weird. Like, I don't know when you've showered. I, I, I definitely know you haven't shaved in a few weeks. I try to be mindful of that because doing these things like shaving and showering and running and going to yoga and right. meditating and hugging our kids, they make, they remind you that you're a human being. That's right. And, um, so one of the things I'll do when my launch really has me twisted up or I can't get like I'm at an impasse of some sort, I'll throw my laptop in a backpack, hop on my bike and go ride the trails and go out like five or 10 miles to a coffee shop and just switch up the environment. Yep. And usually between, between A and B, like, you know, the cobwebs get cleared a little bit, but you know, it's, everything's constantly in motion, you know, so we can't, we can't afford to just sit still and expect a bunch of magic to happen, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, okay. So 
you've already given us this epic life.com. Where can they go to figure out how to create their signature impact? Where, where's that? Is that going to, is that the same place? Yeah, I decided to house that. You can find it through my site, thisepiclife.com, but I decided to house it in its own URL. It's yoursignatureimpact.com. And Your Signature Impact will kick off on November 20th uh, with a web event. I don't like to even call them webinars because you know that I don't do the, the average bearer webinar. I try to, I, I usually share my camera the entire time. It's. I might add some music. I might add a lot of sick PowerPoint graphics and special guests and things. But we're doing the web event on November 20th, which is the two-year anniversary of me dropping my manifesto. Great. Well, this will be up before that. So people will have a chance to sign up, which is going to be really exciting. And I hope that, um, I hope that you come back and let us know how, how that felt once you get to the other side. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like, in some ways, I don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, the response so far has been a lot of enthusiasm, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share. I'm an open book, as you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like almost awkwardly transparent. So <laughs> if you want to talk about the good, the bad, the fugly, like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it, Casey. You've been um, a huge support to me, knowing that you're on the team. You're you're the one person on the team where I'm like, okay, you know, like when, when I get two in my head, all I have to do is go, Meh! And you're like, okay, bad signal. Calm your, you know, shizzle down there, girlfriend. Um, And definitely have walked me not off ledges, but definitely backed me off, you know, any crazy, crazy points at camp. And um, yeah, well, I mean, that's so. That's the, uh, I mean, you've done the same thing for me too. Like when I said that I wanted to launch with a webinar, you said, do this, this, and this. And just by those like quick things, you left me a voicemail with the steps on it. All right. It was all of a sudden a well-lit path for me. And I thought, wow, this makes a lot of sense because I, I'm, I'm really good with the end result idea, but I'm, I'm not necessarily good with, uh, you know, millions of little steps in between. So, you know, it's, um, it's mutually beneficial relationship, Anne. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming today and all, uh, you've, you've actually set, you've actually mentioned a bunch of things and I'm going to put them all in the show notes. Um, some oh, of the people cool. and immersion, some of the books you've, you mentioned, some of the people yeah. you've mentioned, Cynthia, we got to put her down there as well in the show notes. So, um, uh, feel free to send me any more you think of and and some yeah, quotes so, too some quotes too we'll, we'll pull those out for people too oh happy to yeah well i appreciate you having me on and uh it's like the community that you've gathered just some like really inspiring cool people they're all putting good stuff out of the world so i feel uh it's another sweet little tribe that i was able to uh squeeze my way into this year so i'm grateful <laughs> yeah i'm i'm very grateful for that as well so um okay sounds good okay Thanks for listening to that interview slash conversation slash sing along with Christopher Carter and myself. Um, if you want to know more about Chris, you can check him out at thisepiclife.com as well as running over to yoursignatureimpact.com. He's having a free web event tomorrow, Wednesday. Oh my goodness, not Wednesday. Thursday, November 20th. And if you listen to this afterwards, I bet he's got a replay somewhere. So head on over there anyways, and see what you can find. Christopher is a really great, great person, a leader, and I think you'll learn a lot from him. So thanks for listening to another episode of the show. I would love to hear from you. I'm I'm hearing some really funny people coming out of the woodwork, and I want to thank you for feeling 
free enough to just share with me who you are. So send me send me an email, go over to SpeakPipe, and all those links are on the podcast page at ansamoylove.com forward slash show. Also, I always like to get a little love over on iTunes. So if you're feeling it, you really love this episode, you want to hear more, head on over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, review the show. And you can get there by going to ansamoylove.com forward slash iTunes. And that's it. We'll see you next week. It's Thanksgiving next week. Can you believe that? Oh my goodness. Okay. Let's get this going. Have a great rest of your week and we'll chat next week.